Oh, mighty Poseidon, the next mortal is here for your judgment. That he caught a school of pilchards, but then left them to rot on the beach while he went off for some hanky-panky with his next-door neighbour's wife. Sorry, uh, not wanting to question your judgement, but aren't we getting a bit one note with this uh, release a kraken thing? Well, you release the kraken for everything. Sleep with one of your daughters, release the kraken. Forget to make a burnt offering before a voyage, release the kraken. Poop over the side of the ship, release the kraken. What should I do? I don't know. Maybe tone it down a bit. Well, forget about the Kraken. Release the Kraken! Welcome to Release the Clown Sketch Comedy Podcast. We're here talking to one of our stalwart writers and the star of the sketch that you've just heard, Phil Whelans. Hello, Phil. Hello, lads. Everything all right? Yeah. Yeah, everything's good. I think so. Yes. Good. Um, do we need to tell the public who we are? Why not? Yes, I'm, I think you should. I'm Alex Marion. And he's Nick Hildred. Hello, Phil. Hello. I'd forgotten about that sketch, the uh, Poseidon sketch. Yeah. That, uh, that effect was achieved by um, being submerged in a tank of water. Yes. I, yeah. That was the expensive bit of that sketch. It, it was, was expensive, wasn't it? Getting in that room. Mm. Yeah. Well, in terms well, I think of the work is up there on the screen. The investment is there for everyone to see or hear. And Joe Chili, who, without any prompting, uh, did the whole uh, Venus coming out of the water yeah. on, on a large shell. Yes, yes. Um, I script edited a sketch show for BBC Scotland and uh, these two guys, who then went on to have quite a career, uh, Ian Connell and Rob Florence, wrote sketches for the show. They did Burniston after, after they did this show, Velvet Soup, but they would write sketches that, they would write hundreds and hundreds of sketches for this show, and I was the script editor, I had to read them all, and they would write sketches that were undoable. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I can even give the titles of some of these sketches because they were so foul that they simply couldn't be uh, recorded or performed on television. Or occasionally they would write a sketch that, um, couldn't be done because it was too expensive. And they wrote one called Mr. Mouse Wagons uh, that we called their bluff and we made it. And it cost thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to make these sketches. People were flown in it, you know, like making it look like people can fly. That happened in it. Um, someone's mouth opened and a swarm of kind of locusts came out of their mouth in this sketch. <laughs> And we made it just out of spite, despite these two <laughs> writing sketches that they thought we'd never make. And, and can this, this, this visual delight be found on YouTube or anywhere at this point? I don't know. I, I had a little look for it. I've got it all on VHSs because um, it was like a long time ago, something like 2002. I think we made that show. Um, and I couldn't. I did have a little look on YouTube. I don't know if it's there. Velvet Soup, it was called. Uh, and I, were, I script edited the second series of it. 
a VHS is like a download, but you can hit someone around the head with it. That's right, yes. I feel... Is this the best this podcast has ever gone? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is... I think, this is, this is going gangbusters right now. Excellent. Happy to help. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's great. So, shall we move it along? Yeah, let's move it along. No. I disagree. <laughs> no, let's stay right here. All right, let's move on. Okay. So, your first sketch that you've chosen is Gerbil Maternity Ward. Uh, Mr. Gerbil? Yes, that's me, Doctor. Uh, Gerbil? Dr. Gerbil? We're both Gerbils. Both Gerbils, yes. Doctor, how is she? How's my wife? Mrs. Gerbil? That's her. She's doing just fine. And congratulations, you have a healthy baby boy. Uh, and another boy? Uh, a girl? An unhealthy baby boy? Another girl? Another girl, but very small? A very unhealthy baby girl? A boy, and one I don't know what it is. Ah, oh, hello, darling. Hello, love. I'm so sorry I tried to get here for the birth. I ran as fast as I could, but I just seemed to be going round in circles. Well, it was surprisingly quick in the end. She went into labour just now, and they were born, uh, just now. Were there any complications? No. Well, no more than usual. The first two babies were in an awkward position. Oh, dear. They were under your wife. I sat on them. She sat on them. Oh, no. Not to worry. It's perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Anyway, the third delivery was perfect. A beautiful baby girl. Then the fourth, fifth and sixth, she just didn't get along with. What do you mean? I didn't like them. Call it a clash of personalities, if you like. Not my type. So she buried them. Good grief. Perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Nothing to worry about. Sorry, Doctor. Do you mind if I just go to the toilet? Oh, no. Not at all. <coughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Then halfway through the labour, she felt... Um, I felt a little weak. She felt a little weak. So we let her have, well, something to eat. Oh, no. Yes. A handful of sunflower seeds. Oh, thank God. Followed by a couple of babies. Oh, no. Perfectly normal. The one she sat on, I hope. Ah, now that would have made sense, wouldn't it? So, how many are left? Oh, let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. One. Yes, one. Oh, dear. Doctor, how soon will we be able to, uh... Try again? Yes, so try again. Oh, well, probably, um... Now? Oh, um... Oh, 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 yes! Oh, Mr. Fluffles! Hello! Stop that! I did say she could have visitors. We're having sex. Oh, 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 give it to me! Oh, oh, oh! Thank you. Finished! God, I'm so depressed. I think I need a drink. Oh, well, see that metal tube? Just suck on the end of that and water comes out. It's magic. Thanks. Ah, <laughs> That's adorable. Don't patronise me. I should have you struck off. Release the clowns. <laughs> Is it wrong that... I, I was amused and yet slightly turned on by the gerbil 
The gerbil sex? Yeah. Do you mean, is it wrong that you, you find yourself drawn towards gerbil porn? Yeah. Yes, yes it is. It's oh, wrong. okay, good. Yes. I just wanted, because my, my moral compass is a bit skew if. It just seems oh, like... Oh, well, that was fun. Yeah, I, I, th thanks for writing that. We yeah, really enjoyed right. that. It's one of my favourite sketches. Yes. I, I find that I can now no longer either hear someone saying perfectly normal or say perfectly normal myself yes. without feeling like I'm doing it in Holly's voice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Holly's very funny in it. Yeah. Yeah, Holly Meacham, she's very funny in it. I think uh, Bill Nice is her paramour. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Phil's just, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I remember him doing it it was just hilarious um, well as I think the film uh, the film Cats has demonstrated you can't go wrong with talking animals um, I'm surprised yeah. actually that, that Lloyd Webber didn't choose gerbils yes yes but I suppose who, whose stories were they based on um, T.S. Eliot, Eliot. You yeah know, maybe he'd already written one about gerbils but he, he didn't, didn't sell he didn't want to talk about gerbils oh very dark secret Oh, yes, he kept he kept that for uh, his epic poem, The Wasteland. Uh, that was about, <laughs> that was more about sort of rodents, uh, whereas Cats was about cats. Um, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. So, why did you write that sketch? <laughs> oh well, actually, that sketch was um, I wrote on uh, the Jason Byrne show and. Um, Oh, sort of good about that was uh, the the you wrote sketches on sort of prescribed subjects like it was Jason Byrne is an excellent stand-up comedian. He had two series of this, or maybe even three series of this Radio Four thing. I think I might have only written on two of those series, but um, uh, he would uh, talk about a subject for a, a kind of a whole episode, and then we, the writers, would sort of write sketches that you know sort of fit in with his. Uh, the stand-up and the stand-up was about um and i don't mean this in a sort of prerogative way it was about kind of quite standard subjects that you might write stand-up about so sort of relational um, relationships family uh, work money um and one was like i think sort of pets or animals and i and i wrote one called uh, dog senses danger um uh which is sort of about lassie barking and that that was in the show and i wrote another one and um, you know, often there were quite a sort of there was a group of writers, but there would only be like you know six or seven sketches per episode because it was mainly stand up. So we had quite a lot of um, sketches that didn't make it to the show. And I, I either wrote that or had thought about it and you know left it on a file on my computer. So when the opportunity came up to to sort of dig it out or finish it or whatever I did. Um, you know, I couldn't wait because I thought it was—I thought it was a funny sketch, and it only didn't get into Jason Byrne show, sort of, because the other one did, and probably for time constraints, you know. So, uh, that, in fact, that sort of left me with quite a few sketches in the drawer that I liked, that I thought were good, that uh, you know, you're sort of looking for a home for. So, yeah, it basically just came out of writing something about animals, you know. Yeah. So Jason Byrne's loss is our game. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. a wonderful game, uh, but it's funny. It's funny though when you you know don't have the um, when you've written something or half written it, and then there's no incentive to like finish it off if if you know it's probably not going to be used. Yeah, 
you kind of like, oh, I'll put it in the bottom drawer. And yeah, I'm quite, I mean, I'm pretty sort of scrupulous about trying to hang on to kind of half ideas that I had that didn't, you know, find a home. In the scenes that I've written for, for sitcoms, I've, I've, I've written that um, uh, didn't make it into the sitcom. I try and sort of remember to try and keep them in, you know, sort of a file on my computer because quite often I sort of think, oh yeah, I had an idea about that, you know. And um, uh, sped up the voices a little bit on that sketch, didn't we? Yes. We're all sort of doing high voices, but I think you tweaked it a bit more to make them even even higher. Oh yeah, it was pitch shifted. I did, I yeah. pitch shifted that and um, had one of those moments that I, I often have is which level of pitch shifting is funnier? Three? Yes. Or four? Or is it funny if I go five? Or see, you know, and then I end up spending 15, 20 minutes just just going just very, very marginally different. And uh, I, th I think that one was three, three um, semitones up. It's like they say, the gerbil is in the detail. It is. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and there go the dogs. Um, well, on that note, should yes. we listen to your next sketch, Phil? Yes, let's. So your next sketch is... Slapdash Celebrity Chef. Okay guys, I'm going to show you a really simple recipe for when you're in a hurry. Forget what the cookbooks say, anyone can make this. Literally anybody. Just fry up some garlic, which you can, you know, chop up or, or crush. Or just throw in the whole thing. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. In fact, if you're in a hurry, you don't even have to fry it. It doesn't even have to be garlic. A sprout will do. Or some chocolate. Doesn't matter. Now, get an aubergine and slice it lengthways. Or across. Or don't even slice it. It does not matter. You don't even have to take it out of the packaging. It doesn't even need to be an aubergine. A potato will do. Or just some packaging. It really doesn't matter. Now, at about this time, you should preheat the oven to about 200 degrees or the fridge. It doesn't matter. Or if you haven't got an oven, you could just put it in a cupboard for an hour. Or maybe 10 minutes. It really doesn't matter. Then serve it immediately. Or don't. Doesn't matter. Throw it in the bin. It does not matter. In fact, put it straight down the toilet. Cut out the middleman. Or woman. Doesn't matter. That's it for this week. Next week, toast. Or blancmange. It doesn't matter. Does not matter. So that's goodbye from me. Or hello. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Release the clans. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny, Phil. Thanks, yeah. Um, yeah, I never, um, you know, I had a sketch group for like six years and um, uh, I sort of wrote most of the sketches for that. And they were, they were like sort of. Sort of, we, we didn't really do things about, you know, things that were real, things that were observations of, of things. And we also didn't do sort of media parodies, really. You know, we didn't do any sort of hello and welcome to type sketches. Um, yeah. So it did mean that there was a kind of slight bottleneck because sometimes things would occur to me about, you know, sort of things that I sort, sort of saw in the media. And I, I never really um, watched any of those um, Sort of cooking shows. I, I went out with um. Uh, she was a police. Uh, she was a DI. DI Jane, and um, <laughs> she liked to watch. There was a cooking show. There's a cooking show on Saturday mornings. She used to watch that. And I think I just said to her. I think it was like I'd seen sort of 
you know, Jamie Oliver or something. And, and that's what he was sort of saying was like, this is really easy. Don't worry. This is a really easy recipe to like knock out. And, um, and I think I slightly sort of almost did a few lines from that sketch just conversationally to, to my girlfriend at the time going, you know, everything's sort of so easy. Uh, it's like, it really doesn't matter. They're saying it doesn't matter what you put in. Um, and that sort of stayed with me for a long time, but I never found a kind of um, outlet for that sketch till Release the Clowns. And I sort of thought, hey, I should do that, um, that sort of chef idea, you know. Um, yeah, so that really is one of those things that's just like in a kind of in your back pocket and you think, oh yeah, I could write that now, you know. And that's, it's a, it's a, the structure of it is lovely. The way it builds is lovely. There's a beautiful bit of timing at the end where you say goodbye. Or maybe hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mind is really well performed as well, but it's also okay. it's unique. I think in the annals of of your sketches for for release the clowns, it's the only one that you've ever done a follow up to. Oh so yeah, that's to, right. Yeah. Um, ask um, when yeah. we up to the Christmas show, asking you to do, and I remember you saying that you don't you don't really like to to do that. You you like to so that you no. do the sketch and then you leave it. Um, yeah. Why why is that? Um, you know, I, I think I, I think it's a sort of moral thing, really. I, I see a lot of um, TV sort of sketch shows where um, there's a sort of received wisdom among the people that make them, probably due to things like The Fast Show and Little Britain, that the public likes and wants returning characters and returning sketches and everything to have reprises of something. And whenever I see those shows, I mean, I've genuinely seen sketch shows where I've thought, if I was the broadcaster, I'd demand my money back from uh, the production company because essentially they've made six episodes of exactly the same show. They've made the pilot six times where, you know, sometimes even the sketch is in the position it was in the pilot. So the third sketch is always, you know, the angry traffic warden. You know, the fifth yeah. sketch is always you know, the little girls who behave like adults, you know, it, literally every sketch is in the same position. You just go, it's just the pilot six times. And then the justification is, oh, people really like returning characters, you know, yeah. some sort of market research or focus group. I, I definitely get that. I, I think I've, I've always felt that, that the funniest episode of Little Britain that anyone will ever watch is the first one that they watch. Yeah, almost certainly. Every yeah, other episode yeah. they see is basically the same episode again. There is a yeah. middle ground though, isn't there? Yeah, there's times when that's not true. I mean, there, there are certain things where the performance is so good, you can actually watch it be slightly different every time. Like in the fast show, um, you know, Paul's, uh, um, I was very drunk, Roly, whatever <laughs> you, know, you know, I could sort of, even though it's exactly the same every week, the performance is so good that I can just watch him sort of do something slightly different every week and similarly you know um ted and um ralph ted and ralph uh ted and ralph. you know in a, yeah. they do it so well that, that i'm happy but also those, those are slight that's what that's why i say there's a middle ground because with those actually they do progress the story yeah it's they do yeah there's a story yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there's um, movement with the characters whereas in the pros and dover we did a sketch where um richard glover wrote this sketch and and um it wasn't really a sketch. It was like I was on stage about to introduce the next sketch and he would come on and he would be John Mills. And 
but it was as if John Mills had slipped through a hole in the fabric of time. <laughs> I only really speak in lines from a John Mills movie. So he'd sort of go, um, I can't really remember what he said. He said, um, I don't suppose you like that, do you? I suppose in a way you'd rather I killed you. And I'm not going to. <laughs> and I'd go, um, uh, yes, um, this, is, uh, this is John Mills. Um, uh, hello, Mr. Mills. I I'm sort of in the middle of something. He goes, ah, yes, I thought you'd say that. <laughs> you probably think I'm going to kill you, don't you? Well, I'm not, because you're not worth it. And he sort of keeps it, and it was really funny. And I, I was going, we should do an sort of another one of those. So he did one that was almost the same, but it was Richard Burton this time. Um, <laughs> like, you know, When Eagles Dare or from some Richard Burton film. And it was sort of different because we took it on a bit. They have more of a relationship. And also, I think Burton wants, you know, me, Phil, to join him in some sort of wartime plan. And I'm kind of going, I'm sort of a bit busy, Mr. Burton. I'm sort of, I'm introducing the next sketch. Oh, yes. Well, that's what you'd say, wouldn't you? If only Jerry <laughs> knew what you were saying. You know, like, that. Uh, and it was a really funny idea. So that was the closest we ever did to a kind of reprise was we... You know, it was actually completely different. It was a completely different character, but it was the same sort of setup. Yeah. It but I also think with something like that, it's slightly different as well because you there's a surprise to the moment when they appear. Whereas very yeah. often with the sort of sketches you're talking about, there's no surprise at all. No. No, no, no. This is this is the thing. We know what's gonna happen and we're just waiting for the catchphrase. Yeah. 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 That is the only reprise I've ever written, I think. Wow! Yeah. It does contain the, uh, my favourite line from that is uh, roast potatoes, crispy on the outside, fluffy in the inside, on, on the inside, or perhaps the other way round. It doesn't matter. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. have grapes or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm using yeah. grapes. I think is 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 the one. <laughs> but um, um, uh, it's funny when you know when you write something and like um, you you know. You, you might have two or three of the funny things that they say sort of in your head, but then you just start typing so that by the time you get to sort of like in that first one, um, you know, uh, and that's, that's, that's it for me this week. Goodbye. Or hello. It doesn't matter. You know, by the end, you're just doing it on every line and finding if you can make things that aren't now ingredients funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's sort of good. It's good when you, sort of dig you know it's like you've dug a hole and you think you could just get to the bottom of the hole and stop but actually if you keep digging you might find funnier jokes than the ones that you sort of wrote and and that's definitely the case with that sort of slap that, that chef one was like um once i'd written the sort of five or six jokes about ingredients i could think of you know yeah. um i had to write some more and then you know often the new ones are actually a bit better because you've sort of got onto the you've got into the groove of what the idea is you know well on that surprisingly bleak analogy should we move on to your next sketch so this is this is a sketch that takes us into the into the mists of time and history it's simply entitled the correspondence April 16th, 1841. Dearest Jasper, that fate has torn us asunder and I can no longer see you is more pain than I can bear. 
how I yearn once more to see your face, and how heavily it goes with me that I never will. Forget me, my love. Live, live your life. All I ask is that you remember our time together with fondness. April 16th, 1841. My darling Emily, I am over here. April 16th, 1841. Dearest Jasper, would that you were my sweet, for this separation is more than I can bear. As night falls upon each day, a tiny part of my will dies with it, as I await our once more reuniting. April 16th, 1841. My darling Emily, I, I am. I'm over here, really. April 16th, 1841. Jasper, my love, I think my heart will break. April 16th, 1841. Darling Emily, please, turn your head, my darling, for I am here. April the... No, my love, uh, other way. April the... No, that's a lamp, my love. That's that's not me. I'm I'm here next to a... Oh, well, that's Thompson. Hello, Thompson. April 16th, 1841. Hello, Jasper. Emily? April 16th, 1841. Hello, Thompson. My love, do not toy with me, for I simply cannot bear it. Those precious months we spent together. April 16th, 1841. Jasper, my dear fellow, it has come to my attention that all is not well betwixt yourself and Emily. How disquieting. I do most ardently hope that a reconciliation is possible. April 16th, 1841. My dear Mr. Thompson, I do entreat you to attend most closely to my darling Jasper, for whom our tragic separation is more than he can bear. April 16th, 1841. My darling Emily, I, I love you so much, but I have to confess I am much vexed that you can't understand that I am literally right here in the room. April 16th, 1841. Dearest Emily, forgive my boldness, but now that you cleave not to my good friend Jasper, I can keep silent no longer. I love you, my darling. Mr. Thompson, this is so sudden. Hmm, no date. April 16th, 1841. Mr. Thompson, this is so sudden. April 16th, 1841. It is rather sudden. April 16th, 1841. Here, should you turn your head and for your due consideration, is my penis. April 16th, 1841. My dear Thompson, I've just seen your penis. Oh, that was not meant for you. April 16th, 1841. Excellent news. It would appear some mysterious gentleman likes me. April 16th, 1841. Sod it. I give up. My dear Thompson, may I cordially invite you to accompany me to Mr. Stringfellow's Lap Dancing Emporium and Bawdy House? You may, sir. You may. Don't tell Emily. Oh, no, no. Don't tell Emily. <laughs> Release the clowns. <laughs> Well, there we have it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Alex, it? you were in that. I, I was. I remember. Did you, see, did you hear yourself? I yeah. did. <laughs> and Amy was in it too. Amy was in it. Amy was wonderful in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What I love is is Amy puts all of her longing and desire into it. It really she she really leans very heavily into that role. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Yeah. Then you two are able to just be yourselves on, you know, do, do do your bits on the side. Um, I like things where, and I think I maybe I maybe I write a few things like that where.
people are not necessarily forced, but they are speaking in a slightly artificial way. So, you know, newscasters and um, uh, it's sort of like, I don't know what it does, but I like it. You know, I like that sort of letter writing style from, you know, 19th century or something. People kind of corresponding with each other, you know. Yes. And people literally did correspond a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, what's a Harry Houdini used to write to his wife when they were in the same house. He wrote yeah, yeah, letters yeah. and put them um, in the post. I also thought that thing of, um, and was he there's a sort of thing of a, you know, a reveal being that they're actually in the same room. Like in Naked yeah. Gun and the police squad films, they quite often have a kind of a shootout where there's two people firing at each other. Then there'd be a, a reveal that they're actually only about two feet apart from each other. Yeah. And sort of... When I, when I was sort of doing this sort of that sketch, I kind of thought, I think I started with the idea that the reveal would be, I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm here in the same room as you, darling. But I just thought, why don't I start with it and see what happens? Start with the reveal and see what the sketch is then about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's nice. I really like that. Yeah. That's one of the nice things about it is rather than being a long journey to the reveal. The yeah. reveal's right up front. Yeah, the yeah. you know, you get the reveal, and that that because that, that's a nice gag, and then yeah. get the character gags on top of that. Yeah, and then just see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I think, I remember doing this um, impro class with uh, uh, Keith Johnston, who wrote the book Impro, and, um, you know, sort of a real impro guru, and yeah. uh, myself and Toby Sedgwick were on the, bridge of the titanic or something and we were being quite funny and making everyone sort of laugh but he just went oh for god's sake just crash into the iceberg just crash into the iceberg god these stupid jokes you're making on the you know (laughs) sort of cruel but fair it's just because you kind of go well you know let's it's not impro if you just head towards something that everyone knows what happened everyone knows the titanic crashed into the iceberg so you're not really doing impro you know he went into it people don't really know kind of what it was like you know in the water or whatever that you know obviously bleak but they're being fine. So although everyone knows that what happens that it crashes into the iceberg everyone doesn't know what actually happened to the people there at that moment yeah yeah and sort of sort of felt better to start with you know start you know start at the end and see how much further you can go you know yeah that's a, that's nice actually it gives you a different perspective on mm. how to do the sketch yeah, yeah, and it's and again a bit like that, you know. The other, you know, you get into that thing of like they just say the date every time, and you know, I haven't really set out to think, oh, they say the date every time, but it's funny. And you know, you know, one of my favorite lines in it is when, <laughs> when, Alex, when she says something, and Alex goes, hmm, funny, no date, yeah, and then <laughs> and she remembers and says the date, but it really made me chuckle while I wrote it, hmm, no date. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just that the characters can't break out of it. They can't. No, no, they must remain in the character because yeah. that gives it the structure. That gives it, that, the, and it gives it the tension as well. That yes. they can't just stop and go, "Hey, hang on, no, I don't mean any of this." I, you know, they can't do that. So they, they, they have to sort of keep going. You know, like a father with a bride speak. Or, you know. Yes. Yeah. All of those things. They're a kind of convention where someone sort of. Yeah, sort of has to keep going. Um, but that's not necessarily what it's about. It, 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 it sort of paints them into this formality of speech that they can't really get out of, you know. Well, actually, now th- this is a, there's a pattern here now about, uh, about speech patterns. 
um, because we've had uh, the slapdash chef with his, yeah. you know, his his particular way of delivery. Yeah, and then the correspondence, correspondence is another uh, very uh, structured way of speaking. Now, the next one is, again, a very familiar structured way that people talk to each other on TV, which oh, right. everyone should be familiar with. And it is, uh, the sketch is, is handover of puns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, Let's have a listen to that. Oh, well, that's what I call taking one for the team. <laughs> My eyes are watering just watching that. Must be what they mean by a, a no ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Now, with the time coming up to 11, here's Keith with the weather. Morning, Angela. Well, it's no joke up here in Manchester either. Oh, gosh, no, look at that. Well, there's snowman better than you, Keith, to tell us what the weather's doing. (laughs) (laughs) If you get my drift. (laughs) Yes, I'll settle for that as a compliment. Okay, okay. well, let's uh, see what the weather's doing. All white, Keith, all white. Ice one. Ice one. <laughs> okay, okay. Keith, uh, what are the prospects for oh, a snow... Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, what are the prospects for snow this... Uh... I said, climate. <laughs> climate. Okay, what are the uh, prospects for weather... Oh, I see, Glenn. I see. <laughs> Can't think of a pun. Blizzard for you, is it? No, no, I just thought we should get to the weather. Keith, Glenn wants to know whether... Whether you can okay, think of well, it. <laughs> well, I, I'm just hearing that we don't have time. We have to move on. So thanks, Keith. See you at midday. Oh. Angela, why don't you tell us what's coming up in the next half hour? But Keith had the weather. Yeah, well, you were too punny, weren't you? And now we can't have the weather, Miss Many Punny. <sighs> You're watching the morning news with me, Angela Harris and Robert Killjoy Silk. I'm Glenn Burns. Bor Vidal. Glenn Burns. <laughs> Jethro Dahl. My name's Glenn Burns. <clears throat> Stiff Richard. I'm Glenn Burns. Timothy Dreary. Fuck you, Angela. Likewise, Glenn. A 36-year-old man has died in a high-speed crash in Batley, West Yorkshire. He's now uh, flatly West Yorkshire. <laughs> Airbag gum. <laughs> <laughs> He's got whippet lash. <laughs> and uh, finally... Two news presenters lost their jobs this morning by autocue. That's right. The two presenters... Oh, shit. Too punny. Too punny. Release the clowns. <laughs> we love a pun here at Release the Clowns. We do. We do. And and that is a is a fistful of puns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Blizzard. Yes. Blizzard. Uh, yeah. I, yes, that was a yeah. I whipped that up very quickly uh, for um. You know, we were about to go into sort of do a, a lump of recording, and I just thought I'd try and write something else. And I think I just yeah, it's quite sort of um quite organic that sketch. And kind of just I think I just started typing and saw what I could come up with because we were going to record. You know, like. That upcoming weekend and I thought I should have something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no and, and and again it's a triumvirate although you're not in it this time no. guys, but it is it's you Holly and Phil Nice yeah yeah 
you little yeah, so it's, uh, it's basically like i've got a word template that i wrote the correspondence in and that sketch in that is third man comes in who gets on with woman better than first man does <laughs> <laughs> ah you see that's clever i used to use it in eastenders all the time i think the BBC <laughs> has kind of copyright on it yes and that was when phil realized all his sketches are the same sketch <laughs> <laughs> so, long, so long as you now don't go Good Lord, my entire career is based on the same thing. Yeah, I can right, take it no more and jump out of the window. <laughs> Don't do that, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Especially because um, you are on the ground floor, so well, you won't that, really do any damage. In that case, do no. Let yourself go. Yeah. It's, yeah. It could be cathartic. Yeah, yeah. All right, off I go. <laughs> so what I really like about this is it's that actually some of those puns are not just bad puns they're actually terrible yeah 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 um they are just on the very edge of making any sort of sense <laughs> blizzard for you Clark i think yeah i think yeah yeah i think they um <laughs> i think that's sort of in that uh you know they, those you know breakfast tv presenters oh, absolutely. They, quite often, yeah. they quite often are bad puns aren't yeah. they i think that's sort of you know, I mean, in my in my defence, I think I was trying to, you know, like make slightly tortured puns. I think there's also a thing. Please uh, don't think that was a criticism. No, it's, no, no. The thing no. you genuinely enjoy about it. Mm. I think there's a thing. I think there's certain behaviours. I wrote a sketch years ago that that my sketch group, the Pros from Dover, used to do, um, and what that was based on was. Um, kind of rolling news, 24, 24 hour news. The fact that they have this thing that they have to pad, they have to pad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, in a rather, you know, uh, not very nice example of this, I was watching, you know, rolling news on, you know, 7th of July, 7-7, and they had somebody on the scene outside one of the stations. And the person in the studio is just plying this person with more and more questions. And the fact was, nobody knew what had happened at that point, you know? Yeah. And, and the person in the studio is kind of going, Martin, what's the, what's the mood outside on the streets outside Edgware Road Station? And, you know, the answer to that is, well, sad because a fucking bomb has gone off <laughs> and you know, killed a lot of people. You know, it's just that, that self-conscious Padding. Yeah. They're just padding, and they end up asking the, the, the best sort of stupidest example, questions. The best Sorry. example I ever saw of that was when um, I think it was when Will and Kate's first child was born, and there was the wait for the birth outside the hospital, <laughs> and it just went on and on and on, yeah. going back and back to the same reporter saying nothing, yeah. Yeah. Abs with absolutely nothing to say, and and no new questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so, so the, the, sketch, the sketch that I wrote for the pros from Dover was like this Greek messenger coming back from the Trojan War and reporting to, you know, their sort of emperor and going, you know, uh, there was a mighty battle and thus we have vanquished uh, Hector's mighty hordes. And then what else happened? <laughs> the, the battle was an immense one with great loss of life. Many were killed and... Uh, the slain were honoured. What else happened? Uh, the the uh, reports of the war 
caused the denarii to crash six points <laughs> and the markets reacted and he's just having to pad and pad and pad and then he brings another messenger in who's got nothing to add so they're just both trying to add stuff i was um, hoping that would be the case yeah 24 yeah. hour rolling messenger that's good yeah, that, that, that is the trick is if if the first correspondent doesn't have much to say you then either go, turn to your expert in the studio who's got nothing to say, yeah. bring in the, an, another correspondent. Yeah, uh, in the yeah so one of them's going like, you know, many parts of Thebes are without water or electricity. And the emperor goes, what's electricity? And goes, don't know. Uh, <laughs> just all, you know um, uh, yeah, so it's also like that, you know, um, having to just pad like crazy because they're being asked to keep the news story going, you know. And I think there's a little bit of that self-conscious conversation that news presenters have when they're handing over from one to the other i think yeah. that was the the starting point for that and then you know i might not have even really intended it to be puns until you know until i realized that that's one of the things they sort of do do i think i was in the idea was like the most torturous and self-conscious handover between two news readers and like the weather person you because I think every time you see that sort of handover, they have a bit of self conscious banter with, um, you know, the person doing the weather. Yeah, that was the starting point, really. It was like, how awkward and self conscious can I make the, <laughs> the stilted conversation in a handover between news people? And then but it yeah, ended up being sort of about puns, you know. Underlying that, there's also that sort of that, that sense that actually the relationships between these people are quite uneasy, yeah, yeah. Well. They perhaps don't actually get on very well. Maybe are professionally jealous of each other, and maybe are convinced that actually he's the funny one. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, and yeah. the newsreader to to weather person dynamic is always interesting. It's quite an uneven dynamic, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, here's your little minute of the show. You know. I mean, obviously, they, you know, they explore that very well in Anchorman, don't they? That's yes, sort of, exactly. Uh, that's a great, you know, that's a, a great um, exploring of that idea, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, well, shall we, shall we move, move ever onwards? Ever onwards. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, so our, our next sketch is, um, it's a historical sketch. Right. That I, I hope will reveal to the listeners something of humanity's past something of of how humans came to be what we are now it is egyptologists quickly shine your torches <gasps> my god we found it unless i'm mistaken this is the burial chamber of ananka priestess of karnak Gentlemen, our search is over. Carter, the opening! The tomb entrance has closed behind us. Gentlemen, I fear we're trapped. Is there nothing we can do? I fear not, Lord Balmoral. I warned you. You have desecrated the tomb of Ananka. This is her vengeance. Be quiet, Mehmet Bey. He's right, Carter. The three of us can never move this stone. A trap for grave robbers. Wait, look, over here, there's an inscription on the stone. Can you read it? More light, please. Hmm. It's in hieroglyphs, but this is an ancient dialect. I'm, I'm afraid it's far beyond my capabilities. Mehmet Bey? Let me see. Hmm. 
This is an incantation, but in a tongue I know not. Macbeth Bay, you of all people must be able to make this some... This is a dead language. Lost in time, let it rest in peace. I've seen something like this before. Believe it or not, Carter, uttering this inscription aloud may be the key to our escaping. Oh, what a low mumbo-jumbo. Mehmet Bey, please, please try. You're our only hope. I cannot. Oh, hang on. Look, down here. Another inscription. Of similar length. Some of the same symbols, but, but this is close to Coptic script. Can you read it? Well, again, the dialect is archaic, but I've studied similar. Do not speak these words. Mehmet Bey, if I were to recite this incantation to the best of my ability... Might you be able to translate my words into as ancient a dialect as you can speak? No! It is a desecration. Mehmet Bey, you must! Do not make me! Damn it, man! It's our only hope! Go on, Lord Balmoral. Well, some of these symbols are, are, are unfamiliar. I, I'll have to guess at their meaning. <clears throat> I'll do my best. Now, I'm not sure how to pronounce this word. Are you taking the piss? No, no. I, I, are you taking the piss? I told you. No, no. This is how they spoke. It, it was a very musical language. Oh, fuck me. But, but it has to be translated into the original tongue, Mehmet Bey. Otherwise, it's useless. It's already useless. Carter, please. You look at twat. Mehmet Bey, I, I beg of you. I would rather die. Then die you will. Carter, no. Sooner rather than later. Do as he says. I'm sorry, Mehmet Bey. Very well. All right. Here goes. Mehmet Bey, <coughs> do your best. Are you fucking kidding me? Carter, please, we haven't finished. It worked! My God, it worked! Praise Ananka! This is bullshit. Well, anyway, that, that, it's a relief it's opened. Um, we'll return to camp and come back tomorrow. Mehmet Bey, thank you. Do not look at me. I feel stupid. Well, so do I. I mean, we look like idiots. And you know he'll tell everyone. Unless... Hmm? Mehmet Bey, quickly! Oi, where are you going?
Release the clowns. What can we say? <coughs> um, <clears throat> yes, it's 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 the finest piece of work I've ever written. <laughs> um, often I sometimes I write things uh, that um, that I sort of think possibly only I will like. Um, I like um. I just like, I like people talking in funny voices. I like falling over and I like people talking in funny voices. <laughs> well, I remember with that one, um, at the table read, everything was like, everything was bubbling along in a fairly normal fashion. Because all you'd written in the script is something like, uh, you know, Lord Balmoral or whoever talks nonsense or, you know. Yeah. It, it, that was, it was really vague as to what noises you're gonna make. And as soon as you started, because none of us knew what you were going to do, as soon as you started, everyone just collapsed in laughter. Quite often in the pros from Dover, we would, uh, I would say to the others, um, you know, there's no jokes on the first two pages of this sketch. I want the audience to just wonder where it's going to go and yeah. when, when something funny is going to happen. And quite a, quite a lot of our sketches were like that, you know. And I went, don't worry about getting laughs, you know. It's better better if you go for longer and and then the laugh is a sort of bigger payoff than to sort of try and go oh we'll make it sort of we'll try and put some jokes in early on on the way to um the last so so you know it's all very earnest uh, it took quite a long time to write that sort of speech about you know getting trapped in the in the crypt and and spotting that you know something that was in aramaic and then a rosetta stone thing of going oh there's a sort of translation into into Sanskrit here and all however that goes and and you know the sort of relationship and the and the guide knows it sounds stupid so he's reluctant to say it but it's like he'd rather die he'd yeah. rather die <laughs> trapped in a tomb than say something that makes him sound like an idiot but I mean you know I quite like all I quite like all that sort of earnest um you know the earnest adventure 30s 40s adventure film chat between the archaeologists and the and the guide you know yeah. i like all that you know i sort of like things where there's um there's actually some sort of draw you know some drama or like opportunity for something to sort of be acted quite well you know the sort of earnestness of um the correspondence and the sort of earnestness of the egyptologists i sort of like that you know i like things where you know sort of you know because often there's a sort of quite a kind of light style of acting that comedy sketches have yeah mm -hmm. and sometimes you know we you know in, in impro you quite often if a sketch if a sketch is like maybe not working all that well or hasn't worked all that well quite often the answer is like commit commit to what you're doing in the scene and it'll yeah. be funnier you know in a way the more seriously you act sort of funnier it is you know and so I like all that kind of earnest um you know stuff like dialogue that would be from the mummy or you know one of those sort of sort yeah. of yeah. Boris yeah. Karloff yeah. films I was, I was listening to that then I was I was very much thinking that we're, we're, we're quite a long way into the sketch here. oh we're doing, we must and actually uh, what this is 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 ostensibly a fairly serious sketch about three men trapped in a tomb yeah. and then suddenly <laughs> Kaboom. <laughs> yeah, there's a very long way to just be about people talking in silly voices. What, one of the nice things about doing these and talking to different writers about this sort of thing is it makes you think about 
the sketches you're going to write in the future yeah. um, or it makes me think that and I'm thinking it's actually quite a brave thing to do to not have a joke in the first page and a half mm. or two pages yeah um, and yeah on stage you know because you can feel the, the not getting laughs yeah, yeah, is a bit of it can be a pressure cooker. So yeah, I think I think there is a thing about being brave. One of the things I like about um, Family Guy, they do some quite brave things with taking time on a gag of, of that thing of literally holding a still frame, and you think, oh, they're gonna they're gonna cut away now. Surely they're gonna cut away now. They're gonna cut away. They're not cutting away, and then you start laughing. That, yeah, it's like a, a waveform of the time it takes, it's going up and up and up and up and up and up and, up and then, then finally you get to a point where you start laughing. Yeah, yeah. And when you come back down the other side, you stop laughing. Uh, and if it's still going on, you go into a valley of not laughing anymore. And then it's going on so long, you start coming back up the other side of the hill and then start laughing again. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I like all those things like that. You know, like I went to... Um, you know, I studied with Lecoq and Philippe Gaulier and stuff like that. And people kind of call it, people call that sort of clown school. Or you went to clown school. But yeah. no one ever really talks about sort of um, jokes or being funny. What it very often is, is you have to get up in front of everyone else and an incredibly sort of judgmental um, Philippe Gaulier uh, sitting in the front row. And you just have to not bore them. You know, it's about not boring people rather than it is about sort of making them laugh. Uh, and getting up without an idea in your head of how you're going to achieve this. But somehow you, you sort of, you get up there and after, you know, two minutes, the audience is still interested in you and they're still interested in, in what you might do next. Um, that's sort of what it's all about, really, rather than sort of teaching you, you know, how to take a custard pie to the face or how to slip on a banana skin. It's sort of like, it's just how to not be boring, you know. And yeah, um, yeah certainly quite a lot of pros from Dover sketches. Um, you know, we, we, would, we would sort of relish the fact that we can just see the audience leaning forward in their chairs with their sort of mouths open a bit going, what are these idiots doing? <laughs> when is there going to be a joke? When is there going to be a joke? You know, and, and we really like that. You know, we liked it being like that. Um, is, is that, just is that funny when there is one? Is that something you would you would have done just with a cold audience? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think we, you know, we would do a set list that puts a couple of, you know, easy laughs up the front. You know, there are a couple of sketches we very often started with, so so that they just know that they're in, you know, they're in the hands of yeah. some people. That so you, will. You, you've you've oh. earned you've earned a little bit of latitude with them. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, but they are wait. They they know yeah. that something is probably coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we I think we sort of shaped the sort of set list to to sort of yeah put the more difficult ones kind of in the middle or something like that. You know. Well, I mean, that's one of the things about doing this show as well, it, or any any sketch show is is the shape of the show mm -hmm. um, and giving people, uh, trying to give people variations of, you know, when, when Alex and I sit down and, and think, what, what sketches should we put in the next show? And we'll look at what we've got and, and say, well, we could do a, a two-hander or, you know, a monologue or um, a longer sketch or a quickie. Uh, we've, got, we've got lots of choices of sketch to do. 
and I think it's quite important having dark and you no, know, just those shades of yeah, also yeah. what won't what won't go in the show together. So also yeah, thinking exactly. with you know that sketch and that sketch that's a little bit too similar or those two jar next to each other. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, it's about rhythm, isn't it? I think you know, I think. Um, 20 minutes or something is like a piece of music and you want it to sort of ebb and flow. So the dynamics of uh, the sketches are as important as kind of what's the content of the sketches, you know. I was just going to say, um, uh, honourable mentions. Are there any sketches of yours that aren't in the list that you were thinking maybe to put in the list? Um, God, I just can't. I've got such a terrible memory. I can't really remember any sketches. I I... There's a couple that really stood out to me. And obviously Braveheart, health and safety but oh yeah 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 we've used that a couple of times since it was broadcast already right yeah um but i thought uh eatable plagiarism oh yeah yeah i yeah. really like but i think that's that's sort of in some ways it's sort of it's either that or the egyptologist isn't it yeah yeah very similar yeah same yeah. cast same cast just the three of us just yeah. the three of us we can make it if we try now i've got a serious question for you phil okay um, to to any uh, uh, writers out there, um, so as um, somebody's been a, a professional script editor, what what do you do when you get a sketch that comes in, maybe doesn't have bankers on the page, but will rely on uh, performance? How do you spot those as a script editor? Um, I think it's them? I think it's hard. I mean, I think you do. Um, uh, you know, you, you, I think sketches have to be fun for the performers to do. And you have to, you've just got to put yourself in the, uh, the minds of people that are going to perform this sketch, but also like, you just try and imagine people having fun. Is this, is this four pages of writing going to be fun for some people to get up and perform? What are the, what are the kind of riffs that they're playing? You know, it's like, you've got two characters, but one, you know, one is just using a word that the other character has never heard, but is too polite to say they don't know what that word is. You sort of think, <laughs> oh, that might be a fun idea. That's sort of fun. You know, that puts him in that position. You know, um, it's the sort of situation. It's the core situation in a sketch. You know, I wrote, I, 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 when I was script editing Velvet Soup, I must have read about 700 sketches. And there were quite a few that were like, sort of like a short film you're going it's okay but there's no central idea in fact the central idea changes two or three times in this sketch which is already too long it's like six minutes or something and the velvet soup it just couldn't be six minutes long you know we do three minute long and um, um what's the central idea what's the central idea mm. and, and and yeah and i do sometimes you do see things by you know, I think there are non-performers that are very good at writing for performers and they totally get it. Graham and Arthur, everything they write in Father Ted or Big Train is, you you know that as Ardlo Hanlon and the other actors in, in Father Ted and, 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 you know, Simon Pegg and Kevin Eldon in Big Train, they're just looking at this script going, this is going to be such fun to perform. And um, other things you read sometimes where, as a script editor, you say, this speech is much too long. This speech is like seven lines long. 
I'll read it back to you. And it takes 20 seconds to read this speech. And you're going, you've got to break it up a bit. Have the other character reply once or twice just to break it up, to make it a conversation rather than a long monologue filled by another long monologue. And I think you've just got to, even if you don't come from a performing background or, you know, see much stuff, you've got to put yourself in the mindset of performers, you know, um, because it's a little machine for performance, a sketch. You know, your, your grandiose concepts are all very well, but this is a sort of three minute, four minute, two minute, sometimes even one minute little slice of performance. And I think the performance is, 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 is always going to be the most important thing. That's, that's a, a very good answer to a very good question, actually. Thank you. Yes, yes. Good question. Oh, thank you. Earnest, serious, earnest answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th I think sometimes uh, you need an earnest answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought I did really good listening there as well. Actually. I thought, I, I've got to say, as, we, as you were talking there, Phil, I'm, I, I looked across at Alex and I thought, this is some of the best listening I've ever <laughs> seen or heard. Elite. Elite listening. Elite listening. Yes. <laughs> and move on, because we, we've only got one sketch left. No, we don't. Don't we? No, that's the intro. Oh, that's the intro. Ah, no, that's it. We're done then. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, Phil Williams, thank you very much for joining us. So it's good night. Thanks, gentlemen, and I'll hopefully I'll see you in the flesh very soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. See you soon. Release the Clown starred Phil Williams, Joe Tilly, Casper Michaels, Phil Nice, Amy Holmes, Holly Meachin, Alex Marion, Karen Morden, Nick Hildred and Martin Hyder. It was written by some clown called Phil Whelans. The social media merrymaker is Dan Willis and piling up the custard pies for the big finale are Nick Hildred and Alex Marion. If you want to see Phil Whelans performing sometime in the future when we're allowed to, head over to grandtheftimpro.com. That's where you can find out more about Phil and some of the brilliant improvisers he larks about with, from Cariad Lloyd to Mike McShane. You can see what Phil looks like, so that next time you see him in the street, you can give him a cheery, socially distanced wave. And of course, there's lots of info about what they do, why they do it, possible show dates, and so much more. Actually, no, there's not much more. Uh, so, uh, grandtheftimpro.com. Yeah. See you in two?